I love going to the movies. Raise your hand if you like going to the movies. I'm a movie guy. Uh, I've even gone to the movies by myself, which sounds super depressing, but as a father, it is beautiful, wonderful experience. <laughs> it's quiet, nobody's bothering you. You can buy what you want before you go in. Uh, there are two types of people when it comes to going to the movies. One buys their ticket for the 7 p.m. movie, and they don't leave their house until 6.50 or 6.55 p.m. Why? Because of the previews, right? They don't care about the previews. Why show up 25 minutes early to watch a bunch of previews I don't care about? As long as I'm there, by 7.15, I will be good. Even South push it to even 7.20 sometimes. I'll be good to watch that movie. Others, like myself, I like to get there early for one of two reasons. Number one, to find that good seat. I want that seat right in the middle on the front row before it starts to go up, right where there's the guardrail, so you can put your feet up on the guardrail, relax, hang out, watch a movie. How many of you are back row people? You want to get in the back row? Nobody? In the middle? Is anybody? Yeah, yeah middle? No, nope. I don't want to be around people like that, surrounded. I want to be in the front. I want to be able to put my feet up. Here's the other reason I like to show up early. I actually like watching movie previews. I like to see what's coming soon. See if you can finish this. Coming soon to a... Yeah, I, I like that. I like seeing what's next, what's coming in 2024. Now previews are like coming in 2027. And you got to wait forever for that movie to come out. But they call these movie trailers and they're two to three minute snippets of edited clips. They give you plot points, major themes, the kind of feel of that movie, all intended to hook you in to seeing that movie next summer. And so I like to go. I like to watch those four or five trailers before the feature film. It gets me excited for what's coming up. We know that God's word, it centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a redemptive story all throughout scripture, but its main theme is God has come to save people and we are to glorify him. And so at the center of that is Jesus's atoning, life-giving work on our behalf. And what we see all throughout the Old Testament, even from the very beginning, are trailers. Are trailers, movie previews that are looking forward to the feature film, Jesus Christ. The person and work of Jesus Christ. Here's what you should expect. Here is a taste of what is to come. Here is what is coming down the road. This phenomenon is found as far back as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. In Genesis, we saw the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel. Right after the fall, God says, your seed will crush the head of the snake, referring to Jesus. We see it in the father giving up his son Isaac, the willingness, the sacrifice of a son. We see the atonement in the ram that was provided for that child. 
We see it in Exodus where the sacrificial lamb, the spotless lamb, its blood covered on the door was anticipating a greater sacrifice, a greater work. We saw it when bread rained down from heaven with the bread all pointing to the bread of life, Jesus Christ. We saw it in Leviticus, its sacrificial system points forward to a greater sacrifice. We saw it in Numbers last week with the bronze snake lifted up for healing, a passage that Jesus himself referenced to describe his work. You will look up to me for healing and life in the same way Israel looked up to the bronze snake. Now we find ourselves in Deuteronomy. Are shadows of Jesus found in the book of of Deuteronomy? And my question is yes. In Deuteronomy, we see a prophet prophesy. And the prophecy is someone is coming. Someone is coming soon to a Middle East near you. (laughs) Someone of a specific pedigree who will do something absolutely amazing. Turn to Deuteronomy, specifically chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the back for you. Would love you to grab that. If you don't have God's word in front of you, you're going to get a little lost today because we will jump around, especially as we get to the New Testament. But we're gonna be in Deuteronomy 18. Uh, We're gonna start in verse 15. So the majority of Deuteronomy is a speech by Moses on the plains of Moab right after their 40 years of wilderness wandering. They're about to enter the promised land, the land of Canaan that was promised to God's people. You're my people. I will be with you. You will inherit this land. And so what we're seeing from Moses here, the captain of the team is a sort of pep talk. I love a good pep talk. Hey guys, let's strap up. Let's get ready. Let's give 110%. Let's give it everything we have. Let's win one for the Gipper. We see a a pep talk of sorts where Moses, looking at their past mistakes, is really encouraging Israel to be faithful. Hey, love God. Serve God. Obey God. Do these things to express your worship and trust of God. Because if we don't, we will be exiled from the very land we were promised. And so it's this big pep talk. And in the middle of that pep talk, he starts to say, hey, when you go into this land, don't pick up bad habits that these people have. Like, here's a bad habit I don't want you to pick up. Don't sacrifice your children. That was one thing the people of the land were doing. They were saying, don't don't do that. He also says, hey, don't listen to these seers. Don't, Don't listen to these sorcerers, these mediums, as the pagans do, fortune tellers who who look for means apart from God to tell the future. Don't, Don't listen to these people. He says, listen to my prophets. who I I send to you on my behalf, who will speak for me. So look at verse, chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, 
It is him to who you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Oreb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see his great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. Oreb, it's just Sinai, Mount Sinai. What happened to Mount Sinai? God's people received the law and out of reverent fear, they, they were taken aback by the voice and the power and the glory of the Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse 18, I will raise up for them, he says this again, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. I will deal with him is what that means. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word of the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. You need not fear him, listen to him. So God here is telling his people not to listen to false prophets. Hey, how do you know if they're a false prophet, what they say doesn't come true? Uh, we need to be careful. Uh, people claim to be prophets today and to be speaking for God. What does this say? If they claim something other than what God has told them or revealed to them, they shall die. And so we take that very, very seriously. But in here, go back to verse 14 or 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. So Moses is letting his people know someone is coming. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. This person will be a prophet. This person will be a prophet. Now, a prophet, in a general sense, is really just someone who speaks for God. They, they communicate the words or the message that God has revealed to him or to them. So in reading the prophets, you'll come across this term. So see if you guys can finish this one. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. God would give them a message. They would relay it. They relayed bad news from God. Hey, you haven't been following God's will. You haven't been loving him through obedience. Exile, destruction is upon you. They relayed good news of hope. God alone is our salvation. God alone will bring about restoration. So look at verse 15 again. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Someone's coming, he's a prophet. He will be from among you, meaning he will be an Israelite of Jewish descent. A prophet is coming, he'll be like you, and he will be like me, Moses says. In one sense, this passage envisions a, a number of prophets. 
a number of prophets. We, we see uh, over a hundred prophets named all throughout Scripture. People who God has revealed a message to them some way, somehow, and they relay that message. And so in one sense, prophet here can be a collective sense. A number of prophets will come. They will serve in an office similar to me, like Moses, and they will prophesy. They will lead. They will encourage. They will rebuke. They will communicate what God has said to them. But none of those prophets are truly like Moses. Moses says a prophet like me will be raised up. And so this text also looks forward to a singular prophet since no one has the resume that Moses has all throughout Scripture. I've looked at a lot of resumes in my life. I've gotten to essentially be a human resources department for a church. I've hired many people. Clint Feltz, I was a part of hiring him. Adam Vanaman, a part of hiring him. Uh, I, I got to hire other administrative people at the church. And so I've looked at a lot of resumes in my life. And I'm here to tell you, there are great resumes. There are good resumes. And there are absolutely, who let you send this to an actual organization, embarrassing sort of resumes. And so there are resumes where, you know, easily understood achievements, uh, experience just, just out of the roof, they've, they've done this, that experience is long, uh, they have a, an amazing background, and you look at this, their skills and their abilities, you look at this, they're all laid out in a very detailed way, a very action-oriented way. You go, man, this resume is amazing. This resume is superior. Then you go, hey, this resume is good, but they may not have the experience. Now, if you're in your 30s and 20s, you're like, yeah, that's me. Uh, I, I want to get this good job, but I don't have the experience. Uh, and so there are resumes that are good like that, but maybe they fall short in a couple areas. And there are resumes with like your picture on it and your sweatpants, and uh, it's all misspelled. Uh, I don't need to know that you were a babysitter in 1984 at some point. This is a job for an accountant. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Moses's resume was superior to all others. Moses's resume was of a, a whole nother quality. He's without peer when it comes to being a prophet. So what does he mean when he says a prophet like me will come? A prophet will be raised up. He's coming who is like me. What does it mean that a prophet needs to be like Moses? After his death, at the very end of Deuteronomy, the last few verses, we are told what separates Moses from all other prophets. And it's up here on the screen. You don't need to turn there. But it's Deuteronomy 33, 10 through 12. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses. Okay, here we go. What separates his resume from all others? Whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do 
in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. So here's what separates Moses. All other prophets heard from God. They received a message from God via a a dream, maybe heard his voice. Moses saw God face to face. Moses had an intimate relationship with God that no other prophet had. Furthermore, through Moses, God led his people out of Egypt, out of Egyptian slavery. God redeemed his people through what he revealed through Moses. So God's revelation through Moses led to salvation, freedom from oppression, from slavery, from Egyptian rule. So his prophetic office here is tied to the saving activity that God accomplished through him. So to sum up, here's what Moses is saying in 1815 of Deuteronomy. A prophet, a revealer of God's word and will is coming. He will be like you, an Israelite. He will be like me in that his relationship to God will be unique and his revelation will lead to salvation. And he says over and over again, listen to him. Listen to him. We have all these qualifications. Someone is coming who's going to meet these qualifications, if not exceed them. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people wait for this person to show up. They wait longer than you have ever waited for your favorite movie to come out. They've gotten the preview, the trailer, coming soon. Summer, a thousand years from now. (laughs) This person is coming. And they wait. And they wait. They settle the promised land. And they wait. Division, destruction, disobedience separates the kingdoms. And they wait. And they wait. They fall under Persian, Babylonian, Assyrian rule. And they wait. And they wait. And they wait for this prophet, the prophet, to debut. And in the New Testament, he does. Jesus submits his resume. Hundreds of years later, Jesus submits his resume as a prophet, not just like Moses, but greater. And I will prove it to you this morning. We're going to look at three different passages. And so get ready to jump around just a little bit. I don't like jumping around. I like staying in one passage. But you can't do that with a comprehensive passage like this, a comprehensive prophecy like this. So turn to Hebrews 1, 1 through 2.
prophet who speaks for God among Israel, saw God face to face, whose revelation brought salvation. We need to listen to him. Well, we know that Jesus was born in Israel. Like Jesus was a Jew. And so we can save that right off the bat. There's not a lot of people who are going to argue that fact. Most believe that Jesus existed. He was of Jewish descent. He preached to the Jewish people. He preached to Gentiles at times, uh, but he was of Jewish descent. And so among Israel, box checked. Resume not looking so bad. Now let's read Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. What is the author of Hebrews doing here? He's categorizing Jesus as a prophet, as one of the offices of Jesus as a prophet. The Father spoke to us by his Son. Okay, two out of five. Resume's not looking so bad right now. Let's keep reading. Look at verse three, though. We tend to stop there. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. As a prophet, Moses saw God face to face. Jesus, as a prophet, is God incarnate. And so we can actually boost that one up. Can you go to that next one, Greg? I think there's one more. There? No? Not? All right, Greg, way to ruin everything. And so, (laughs) he didn't just see God face to face. He is God. He's of the same substance of the Father. He is the exact imprint, the representation of God the Father here on earth. Jesus isn't just a guy. He is God. And as a prophet, when he speaks, God speaks. Turn to Acts 3. Turn to Acts 3. Resume's looking good. It's time for a second interview with Jesus. Okay, he's a prophet. He is God. But is he the prophet that Moses spoke about? Look at Acts 3. Acts 3, go to verse 22. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off slash destroyed. A lot of translations have destroyed here. From their people. So this is Peter speaking at Solomon's portico to, to, a, to a Jewish audience. Uh, there were Jews there. And he is essentially declaring that Jesus is the prophet that Moses spoke about. And so for unsure, what, Mo, what, what the prophet was prophesying about in, in Deuteronomy 18, we have Peter 
directly here declaring it is Jesus Christ. But we also see a central theme of this prophet's ministry. Look at it again. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off, destroyed. The chief significance of Jesus' prophetic ministry is to bring salvation, freedom. Anyone who does not listen to him will be cut off, destroyed. The other side of this truth is that if you listen to him, if you listen to him, if you listen to him, we will be saved, redeemed from slavery of sin and death and brought into God's family. Turn to Luke 9, our final passage. Luke 9. In the previous passage, Jesus has been talking about gaining life, taking up our cross, eternal life. And then about a week later, Jesus... And two others, Peter and John, they go up onto a mountaintop to pray. And and what starts out as a normal prayer meeting turns into a spectacular experience that blows the minds of John and Peter. And so look at Luke 9, verse 29. And as he was praying, he being Jesus, the appearance of his face was altered And his clothes became a dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with them, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And so the true nature of Jesus Christ is glimpsed at here. He is lifted up in an event called the Transfiguration. And a couple of guests show up. Elijah and Moses, two of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, and they talk about something. What is the topic of their conversation? Hey, we're up here, we're lifted up, transfigured. Peter and and John, their minds are being blown. What is the topic of their conversation? His departure. Now, departure in Greek literally translates to exodus. So you can put in here, and some translation have it, they're talking about his exodus. And so it could be, in one sense, talking about Jesus' exit from the world. Jesus is going to die, he's going to leave the world, Uh, he'll come back, but then he'll leave again, then he'll come back. I mean, come on, how many times here? Uh, But he's his exodus, his, his physical exodus from the world. Or it could be talking about what his death will accomplish. A new exodus for all those who are in Christ. Your work will redeem people from bondage, from the slavery and sin of death. That is what is about to happen through your life atoning death and life giving resurrection you Jesus will set captives free you will set people free 
Go down to verse 35 in this passage. In a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. Echoing what was said over a thousand years later. Listen to him. Listen to him to avoid destruction, death, separation from God. Listen to him for life. Resume accepted. Jesus is the prophet. So what? Why is, why is this important for us today? What bearing does this have on my life? Well, first, it should move us to all because God's word is, is comprehensive. Promises made in Deuteronomy 18 are fulfilled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later through Jesus Christ. God's word fits together. God's word is comprehensive. New and Old Testament. There are pastors right now who are saying we need to separate ourselves from the Old Testament. It is archaic. I argue you cannot understand the person and work of Jesus without reading a book like Deuteronomy. You just can't. Secondly, in a world that competes with prophets, a world where com prophets compete with one another for your attention, for your worship, for your hope, we have to, without hesitation, without shame, that Jesus, proclaim that Jesus is the prophet. How we present Jesus to the world is important. He's not a human who simply has a special connection with God. He is human, but he is also God. God in flesh. He's not an enlightened teacher or guru or life coach who just wants to make your day better. Many people believe that. I have friends who like Jesus. I have friends that say, man, Jesus, great guy. I love what Jesus taught. Have you read everything that Jesus taught? But oh, when he, when he tells us, man, to love each other and to forgive, that's some good stuff right there. Satan loves when we have a general understanding of Jesus and not a specific understanding of what he has done through us on the cross. He doesn't need you to outright declare that Jesus doesn't exist. He just wants you to have a limited, short-sighted understanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Satan loves that. Oh yeah, Jesus, he's real. And he helps me to be a nice person. He's done a lot more than that. We shall claim with joy and love and through our actions that Jesus is the prophet of Israel. Prophesied about by a prophet Moses hundreds of years ago, God incarnate who has brought about salvation. 
And we must shout, listen to him. Believe in him. Put your faith in him alone to be saved, to be forgiven, to overcome death, to be adopted by God and live with him forever. Every relationship in my life with a person who doesn't truly know who Jesus is is to get them to that point. I want to love them. I want to serve them. But I do not have hollow friendships, purposeless friendships. I want them to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Him. I don't want to waste time on this earth with an abstract, morally encouraging diet Jesus. I want people to know Christ. I want people to put their their faith in him and to realize that all of history centers around him and that we must give our lives to him. We must give our hearts to him. We must listen to him intently in a way where we put our faith and trust in him for life because if Jesus is this person, If Jesus is his prophet, if his resume is true, you owe him everything. All of your worship, all of your praise, you're to serve him out of love and you're to share him with others. Let's pray.